Welcome everyone to a special mini episode of Steeping Together, where we explore a specific topic within the vast world of tea with a tea enthusiast. I'm your tea-obsessed host, Marika, and as typical as ever, I am delighted to be here. Today, we are finally getting a chance to dig deeper into the seemingly simple world of caffeine and tea, a hot topic issue that seems to be on most of our customers' minds when they are drinking tea. Caffeine can simultaneously be seen as an ally for those of us seeking more energy and the main enemy to getting that oh-so-important good night's sleep. To help me unpack this most fascinating topic, I have enlisted the help of not one, but two of my colleagues to answer all things caffeine. Welcome our two returning guests, Nadia de la Vega and Celia Acier. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. So excited to have you. Before, okay, before we get to it, who are you? (laughs) Would you care to introduce yourselves? I'm Nadia de la Vega, the Director of Tea Sustainability and Content. Uh, I've started working here at David's Tea for almost 10 years, focusing mainly on regulatory affairs when I began. And before that, before working in this wonderful world of tea, I studied chemistry and I did a little bit work in an analytical lab. So I'm warning you, things might get nerdy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm Celia. I am a tea specialist here at David's Tea, and I originally studied conservation and horticulture, which are two topics that contain a lot of botany. Uh, I generally tend to say I studied plants for 11 years of my life, and during that time, I spent a lot of time working for David's Tea as well. So I started in stores and then came into the lab here to share plant knowledge in abundance, um, which I, I could not be more thrilled about. And I love working with both of you because we do get very nerdy. And I can't wait to get deep into this topic, which I was surprised to hear you say might be simple because it's anything but. <laughs> it is anything but. And that's why I really needed both of your brains. I really need uh, people not only who, you know, having experience with tea is something it's easy to find in this office, right? We have such an amazing team with so many, so much diversity and background and knowledge. But I think the reason I said it was simple is because technically you look at certainly our packaging and it has the caffeine level and you're on your merry way. There's your answer. Is it caffeinated? Is it not? How high is the caffeine? I want caffeine. I don't want caffeine. End of story. And that is literally never the end of the story because (laughs) we should say that together we have over 40 years experience in the tea world. Can Do you ladies agree that flavor is the number one factor that people consider when they're buying a new tea? Yes, in general, but I would say it kind of depends on the segment of the customer if they are looking for function or if they're looking for flavor first, because I don't think that those always overlap. Completely agreed. Nadia, your take? I agree. I think flavor, mood, or like kind of what what, what you're looking for. I think in North America, there's a lot of emphasis put in caffeine or function as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So 
caffeine comes in second, almost kind of across the board of those people, of that customer segment, right? The flavor seeker, the wellness seeker, Mm -hmm. the the mood, the 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 function, you know, all of those things. You'll have different people looking for teas for different reasons, but I really find that the second question is almost always related to how caffeinated is this tea? Well, I think that makes sense because caffeine is something that affects us, I would say, most of us, um, whether it be one way or another. And so I think that um, it's one of those components in anything that we consume where we see an effect immediately mm-hmm. or very close to immediately. So because you can witness that effect in your body yourself, it is something that you're conscious of when you're choosing a product to consume. Now, to that excellent point, Celia, how caffeinated are you ladies right now? Because <laughs> I am in that two o'clock slump. Like right before we started recording, I was like, no, 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 no. There's no way I'm going into this. I mean, I always have a cup of tea, but specifically, I was like, I need something caffeinated and I need something caffeinated right now in order certainly to have a conversation about caffeine. So we're, <laughs> it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Where are you ladies at? How caffeinated are you? Like how, your consumption from morning to right now. Okay. I have to say I'm the, I'm the same. So I took to right now. We always come uh, with tea to all of the podcast recordings, <laughs> to every <laughs> meeting, actually. Every single meeting. Um, <laughs> But especially for this one, I picked like a black double caffeinated tea because, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need, we need to feel it to we, speak about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. Like you, we're talking about caffeine, so it makes sense that we choose something caffeinated, but also it's that time of day. You need that boost. You need that energy. Celia, did you go for something functional as opposed to something caffeinated? I did both. Okay. Actually. So... Originally, yeah, last night I had a ton of caffeine. I drank a lot of tea. And so I didn't sleep much last night. I'd already had a lot of honey black. I slept maybe two hours, honestly. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And I woke up still caffeinated because sometimes that happens to me. What? And so then I just kept going with it. And I came in and I had a breakfast blend. And then I had a chai and I actually liked my chai experience so much that I, you know, I was going to say, like, maybe I should balance this out this afternoon and have something without caffeine. But then I thought, oh, no, we're recording this podcast. I should keep going. So I'm She's just on a steady caffeine strain wave. of caffeine. Um, <laughs> last night, you know, I, I got a few comments about how hyped I was already. And I think that's just going to carry on. So I'm actually drinking David's chai. Um, it has a nice blend of spices to it. Um, I think it's very soothing. It's raining here today. So I needed something a little bit spiced. It's fantastic. Look, this isn't on our outline, but I feel it is my responsibility as host to ask right now. Celia, are you okay? Because you're telling me, you're telling me you were so caffeinated last night and you got two hours of sleep because of the amount of caffeine in your system. And this morning you decided to just like ride that dragon and keep going. Like I... I'm not a doctor, but I feel like I need to ask you, like, you you good? Like, <laughs> I'm fantastic. <laughs> oh, okay, then we shall continue. Nadia, did your double caffeine dose, are you ready? Because I'm, I'm going to open. This wave. You're riding, riding the wave. this wave. All right, so here we go. Here is my first question. What is caffeine? <laughs> like, we use that word all the time. I'm so yes. caffeinated. Oh, that was so caffeinated. Oh, it's so strong. Oh, I, I'm sensitive to caffeine. Oh, I love caffeine. But honestly, like, what is it? I love that you asked this question, but you also 
own a necklace with the caffeine molecule. Um, and you wear it often. I do wear it often. I try to fit in, Nadia. I try to fit in with the other scientists in this office. I do not have a science background. And I thought, if I get a necklace with the caffeine molecule, like, maybe they'll let me in. It's worked. I mean, you guys. <laughs> it's worked. Yeah, no, like, it's an excellent point. I definitely have this necklace of the caffeine molecule. I understand that it's a molecule. End of list. End of list. Okay, so first things first. Let's start very general. Caffeine is a naturally occurring organic compound that is produced by many plants. And it's very soluble in water. And like Celia mentioned earlier, it's something that is very present or a lot in people's minds because we see a direct reaction in human bodies in the central nervous system. So people get alert. They feel a decrease in fatigue. It enhances mm-hmm. the mood, so I think that's what Celia's trying to go <laughs> to get. She's Love that's what she's <laughs> writing, you know. Not so. that I need that ever. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that's in all what it is. But what? How, why do plants make it, or right. why some foods have it? I'm yeah. Celia. I'll step in here. All right, so do it from a plant perspective. Um, Caffeine is a naturally occurring insecticide that the plant is producing to try and protect itself. And we actually see this in a lot of other plants and a lot of other compounds that plants are producing. Um, Generally, a lot of terpenes or like flavor um, components of plants are associated with those benefits as well. So plants are producing tons of aromatic oils that protect themselves. um, And caffeine is just another layer in the defense against insects and the world (laughs) question yeah because caffeine is bitter Mm -hmm. do most insecticides that plants produce Mm. or do they normally tend to be bitter not always no so i'm thinking of a lot of terpenes that plants produce so um, when you think of eucalyptus for example all of those um, high concentration of oils are also naturally occurring insecticides. And I don't think of them as particularly bitter. I think that the ones that are um, tannic in nature might be, but the one, but the ones that are maybe oil-based or um, terpene-based, I, I mean, I'm not a chemist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to say it right there that, you know, you have a very, a very, very, very high magnification on what you're looking at. Um, it's kind of like a very, you can look at everything through a microscope and you understand the world on a very particular level. And I think that I'm like one step more general than you are. So <laughs> no, it's just different views because I think that I, because of my background in chemistry, mm-hmm. I like to see the similarities in the molecular structure, whereas you yeah. see it more of how it all interacts within the plant. And also from a flavor, like I guess from a an herb background of just like trying a lot of these herbs and plants myself. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, when I chew on a eucalyptus leaf, which it maybe isn't the most recommended, it is pretty <laughs> bitter. And it's a very intense experience. So I would have to read a little bit more about that. So Let's many go questions. In. I, love, plants. I love that, Nadia, you had a question for Celia. And I want to encourage both of you to do that because... I'm coming at it from a perspective of like, when is it? You know, and you guys have such so many insights. So please continue. But I do have one kind of burning. I have a lot of burning questions, but one of them is, is caffeine bad for you? Because it's just a conversation you have with people all the time. Like, oh, I can't have any more or I react so badly to it. Inherently, is it bad for you? I like that you started with that because it, I do think that caffeine is very personal. 
and it really affects people differently. And different people have different tolerances to caffeine. Like Celia probably has a very high tolerance. Apparently, I mean, she's she not really rattling high. down <laughs> the halls of the office. She's quite cogent at the moment. Let's admit that it, it's really dependent on other things that are going on. You know, I think that mental health in general is dependent on a lot of oh. factors, and so how you react to you know external factors is always going to be dependent on all the other things going on in your life as well and so like oh for sure you know right now i can handle a lot of caffeine a year ago maybe i couldn't you know i wasn't in that headspace i couldn't Uh, handle a ton of caffeine so i think that that is also hugely dependent oh for sure there's there's even maximum daily intakes of caffeine even here in canada health canada recommends a, a daily maximum for children and for adults as well so i think it also comes into play depending on how you your body reacts. So, for example, if it makes you really anxious and nervous, mm-hmm. then or and if you're already in that space of being very nervous and stressed, maybe you don't want to consume. Like, yeah, and I think, like anything, so in excess, it can be bad, whereas, like, in a little bit, in a small dose, it can be good. Um, and, yeah, it's very person-dependent. I think if I look at a lot of heart medications, for example, they incorporate a lot of plants where at a high dose could kill you because of a heart attack or, you know, but when they're incorporated into a medication in a very small dose is actually what's saving you or helping you. So I think that to label something as good or bad is maybe something we should explore through like Harry Potter or <laughs> some other topic. <laughs> Sorry. No, I understand. You're, you're trying to not put necessarily like the value judgment attached behind the words good or bad on something that it moderation in all things. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and know how you yourself reacting to something is more important than what a label Yeah, and we can't just label things good or bad all the time. It's a larger question. It's one that I'm interested in, but we're going to have to put a pin in it and go back to Nadia. (laughs) You were talking about the recommended dosage um, by Health Canada, and that's interesting because, I mean, there there aren't a lot of studies as related to caffeine specifically in tea. Like, there's still a lot of new stuff emerging, but at least Health Canada had this to say. Yeah, so Health Canada recommends the maximum daily caffeine intake for children between 4 to 6 years of age to be 45 milligrams of caffeine. They say that that's about a can of cola. And, for example, for us at David's Tea, our high caffeine rating Mm -hmm. is 40 milligrams per cup. So that's for a child from 4 to 6. I mean, obviously, if if you're as an adult... It's different. They, They also say that teens... Uh, should follow precautionary recommendations and they give like a caffeine per kilogram. Mm. And they said that the limit for an adult should be around 400 milligrams per day. So that's roughly 10 cups of tea per day? Yes, but it had to be very caffeinated, like highest caffeine. I'm talking about myself here and I'm I'm (laughs) just making, I'm like, because I'm rolling at about eight. I'm averaging about eight cups. So I'm still within uh, the norms. It's wonderful. Very reassuring. Thank you, Nadia. Because sometimes I worry. (laughs) We can have 10 cups. No, I'm I'm not saying that's not what Canada says. Again, (laughs) moderation in all things, but in referring to, you know, is it good or is it bad? And we've acknowledged that that's not necessarily the best verbiage 
to mm-hmm. attach to it, you still need a lot of tea. I mean, eight cups of tea, I'm bordering on having a problem. You know, it, it's uh, it's not, I'm not, I'm still not in dangerous levels, according yeah. to Health Canada. According to myself, I could push it much further, quite frankly. Celia is proving that as we speak. <laughs> but, you know, according to Health Canada, it's nice to know that that's kind of the guidelines. I feel it's kind of reassuring, especially for all of us that drink copious <laughs> amounts of tea throughout the day. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm average, okay. I'm good. I'm good. There's a limit. And, and you I'm haven't reached it yet. <laughs> I like that you that you specified that, you know, this is still something that we're doing a ton of research on. And something that I love about the tea world is that we're constantly learning new things. And so even in, you know, when we were preparing for this podcast episode, we we did a little, you know, review of the things that we talk about regularly. And I think that I feel generally prepared to answer people's caffeine questions, but I started to get a lot more in depth about what I was reading. And the truth is that every time we learn something new, we have something new to counteract that. So You know, we might be very confident in what we're saying right now, and then a year from now, we might disprove that as well, because this research is still so fresh, and we're still examining so many different things. And because tea is not just caffeine, and it's not just L-theanine, and it's not just, you know, flavor, it's it's so much more than that. And there are so many things that go into a single plant leaf Mm -hmm. that affect us as humans, and that also affect the flavor and the action of the plant or the growth and everything that goes into it. So I think that I really like your specification that this is a conversation that we're having based on what we've learned and what we know, but that it's constantly changing. Research is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> we love research. We love research. It's so fascinating. And I mean, I think we can all agree that that's one of the reasons we love working in the tea industry. It's that literally every single day, and I'm not exaggerating, this is not hyperbole, every single day in this office, I learn something new. When we were prepping this podcast episode, I had like five truth bombs just kind of dumped on me. And I've been working in the tea industry for years, but I'm never going to know it all. And that's the appeal. Okay. Having said how long I've been working in the tea industry, I'm now quite possibly going to embarrass myself with the next question. Does tea contain less caffeine than coffee? And I would like to give you what I have heard, and you can tell me if I'm anywhere near the ballpark of correctness. Okay. I have heard that, yes, tea contains less caffeine than coffee, but it is the polyphenol L-theanine that distributes the caffeine of tea more slowly in your system than the caffeine contained in coffee. Have you ever heard such a thing? Am I anywhere near being correct? And also, what did I just say as a sentence? <laughs> Okay, so I haven't heard that before. Okay, okay. great. Um, I don't think I made it up. Okay. I'm in the I, habit I of dreaming yes. things into yeah. reality, but I mean... Okay, so caf- caffeine is a stimulant. L-theanine is an amino acid. The amino acid, this specific amino acid that's unique to tea plants, is said to have a, an effect of calming and kind of focusing in the, in the brain. So I'm not a biologist, so just to know, okay? You're a chemist. I'm a chemist. Okay. But I think it regulates GABA in the brain. That's what I've read in research. No, I'm going to trust your research more than mine. (laughs) Does that mean that the way that the caffeine is delivered, I don't... 
I don't know. Okay. I, I, I only bring it up because I feel like there has been so much misinformation surrounding caffeine and tea versus caffeine and coffee that publications have just started going rogue and just mm-hmm. kind of putting oh, yeah. any kind of information or, yes. you know, to your earlier point, Celia, maybe they were basing it off research at the time. And because there's so much more research now, mm-hmm. it's been proven to be incorrect. So very simply, let's just, I'm going to erase my brain. Caffeine and tea versus caffeine and coffee. Who has more and why? So coffee, definitely a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk really analytically. Yeah. A cup of coffee has more caffeine than a cup of tea. Mm. So let's put numbers to that. So a cup of coffee generally has 140 milligrams of caffeine in an 8-ounce cup. Mm-hmm. Whereas a cup of tea can range, let's say, let's say I'm talking about just the pure leaf tea, so Camila Sinensis, can range between 20 milligrams to 100, 110 milligrams of caffeine. So, yes, who has more? Or 140 is more than 110. You're using so, basic math here. Basic math here. <laughs> Keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. For me. I love it. So Thank does you. does coffee have more caffeine than the highest caffeinated tea? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I want to jump in. Go Thank ahead. you. <laughs> All right. So we talked a little bit earlier about how caffeine is a naturally occurring insecticide. And that means that the levels in every plant change. And so that changes with environment. That changes with temperature. Um, and it changes with insect presence. Um, it changes with elevation. There are so many different things that impact the concentration of caffeine in the tea leaf as it's growing, that it's really hard to trace and to peg down and say like, you know, all teas fit this or all teas fit into this category. And the same goes for coffee as well. So to your earlier question about L-theanine and caffeine, I think they're doing many studies where they're looking at, you know, how caffeine impacts people and then they're, you know, they're just giving caffeine and then they're giving caffeine with L-theanine and they're giving just L-theanine and that's still to be determined. Mm. Um, but we know that, you know, as the plant changes, so so plants do this really cool thing where when they're under attack or when they're under threat, they, they kind of do this growth defense trade-off. So they might increase production of one element or one component in the leaf and decrease production of another. And so that can change how you're intaking caffeine, absorbing it, how and what else you're intaking and absorbing. And that's pretty neat. Um, we do see that like the buds of the plant often contain more caffeine than further down the leaf because the buds need a lot more protection. They're quite young. Um, and so the plant is putting a lot more into that as it's going. And so it just depends on like where your tea is being harvested, how it's being harvested. Um, is it being shaded? Because we see that sometimes under shading conditions, the tea is producing more caffeine. Um, sometimes we see that as the tea is produced in higher elevations because it's more slow growing, the concentration is a little bit higher of different components. So that can change and that changes for coffee as well. So there's always this huge range. And before we used to just label it as like one tea type has around this much. And now that we're testing all the time and we're putting so much more interest into this, I think we're learning that maybe we weren't always accurate in that and that there's such a diversity for every tea type. And just just to clarify, when you say we, did you mean the tea industry or we, David C? I well, <laughs> yeah, good question. I think we, as an as a tea industry, as a coffee industry, because you know, coffee is just as interested in caffeine content, if not more, because that's really what they're all about. You know, tea has many, many benefits, and coffee really puts itself on that caffeine 
leg. <laughs> That's what they're standing for. So um, I think that many industries that have caffeine are interested in this and are doing many tests. David's Tea as well. You know, we test all of our all of our teas for caffeine content. Um, and so we are contributing to our own understanding of caffeine. And that's really exciting as well. So many things I want to pick apart about what you just said. Okay. This is no, I can tell already, this is not going to be a mini episode. Like we're already <laughs> heading into maxi territory. <laughs> okay. So I guess one question that I'll let you ponder on Celia, and then mm-hmm. I will follow up with an immediate question for Nadia. What you just said is that caffeine is one of the many defenses that plants will use against insects. Yes. If I'm just spitballing here, does that mean that organically produced teas inherently would have more caffeine because they don't have any mm. pesticides to stop bug? Okay, think about your think about your answer. Depends. Okay. Not and, <laughs> and I have a question because so I want to pick apart something else yes. that you said. Okay. But I think Nadia can answer this for me. Nadia, how exactly is caffeine measured? Ooh, Ooh. good question. That's a good question. Thank you. Okay. I'm asking so simultaneous questions. But. So we send a tea to a lab. Right. Where they, they do analytical testing. Analytical chemistry. Oh. They do analytical <laughs> testing on the steep tea. And this is very important because the type of testing that we do, we're not testing the dry leaf. We're testing the tea following our steeping instructions. Right. So... One perfect spoon to 16 ounces for four minutes. That's how we're measuring the caffeine. That's how mm. we're measuring. But because a standard cup size mm. is an eight eight ounce cup size. Right. When we're giving the results for caffeine or the range, we want people to easily compare it to a cup of coffee mm. or any standard cup of tea that they normally get, which is eight ounces. Mm -hmm. So we do the equivalent, but in eight ounces. So it would be half a perfect spoon in eight ounces, and we steep it according to the steeping instructions. So it's very important, temperature and time. Right, because the way you steep your tea is going to affect your caffeine levels, right? Because, okay, again. For sure. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to play teacher. I'm going to pretend, I'm going to try to regurgitate all this correctly. (laughs) So if I took I'm going to take half a perfect spoon for eight ounces, and I'm going to steep it for four minutes. It's a pretty standard infusion time across the board. But because I'm just loving my tea so much, if I steeped that exact amount of tea at the same temperature for eight minutes, I would have a lot more caffeine. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> I, was, I was reading a lot of research, and I found this so interesting. So, like we said before, caffeine is easily soluble in water. Right. Especially hot water. And there's many studies about this and how um, water extracts different compounds from tea and the rate of extraction. Um, But it's very interesting to note that at a specific time, it seems like it won't extract more caffeine than what has been extracted. I even have a graph. I wish I could show people. <laughs> it's a beautiful graph, and I'm so grateful that you brought it. But it does make sense because, like, if you if you just think of like cooking, right? If you put just oregano in a soup, which is essentially just steeping, mm-hmm. even if you cook the soup, if you're making like one of those like long cook stews, you put oregano. It's not like the essential oils from the oregano is going to keep 
mm-hmm. you know, p- going into the soup. There's a, at a certain point, it's done. It's mm-hmm. a finite amount. There's a finite amount of fl- like flavor in it. So it's the same with principle with caffeine. That's what this graph is telling me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and so if you have very low temperature water, and I'm talking very low, like 65, 75. Let's say less, like 50. Okay. 50. Tepid, warm. Very tepid. I don't seep tea at that temperature. No. But this one specific research I was looking at, water between 75 to 95 degrees Celsius, the caffeine level extracts at a very kind of consistent rate. There's not a significant variance between those, between that range of temperature. Mm-hmm. But if you go lower, yeah. it needs more time. So caffeine is more soluble in higher temperature, but at that specific rate between 75 and 95. That's interesting because, um, so when I was living in Japan, I was studying matcha and I was working with this farmer and he, one day I asked him because I I was used to working in stores and so many people had asked me at that point, you know, like, does it have caffeine? I knew that it was the most important thing that people were considering. And I found that Japanese green teas were generally quite caffeinated, that they affected me a lot. And so I asked him, like, what does the caffeine content look like in this and how can how can you alter that? And he just looked at me. First of all, he said, you North Americans are so obsessed with caffeine. <laughs> he said, every time, yeah, every time I get someone from North America, that's the first question they ask me. And he said, anytime I get a visitor from somewhere else, nobody even thinks to ask me that question. Really? So I thought that was very interesting. And second thing he said was, well, if I don't want caffeine, I just cold brew my tea. And I thought, Okay, that's interesting. And so I took it back to Nadia and I asked her the same question, like, Nadia, is this true? And yeah, you, you confirmed that there is a lower infusion of caffeine, if I, if I understood correctly, in the cooler temperature. It takes more time to extract the caffeine. Mm-hmm. It would mm-hmm. take way longer to extract. If you want to reach yeah. the same amount of caffeine, it okay. would take longer. And that, but that being said, like if you're doing it for a shorter infusion in cold water, you're just not getting as much flavor in general either. Exactly. So, is that really what I want in my life? I love no. tea for the flavor. No, no I we're think going we like caffeine. We just like caffeine. We just like caffeine. Okay, Celia, have you had time to think about the bug v organic v caffeine content question? Okay, very interesting. Depending on the country, there are different laws that regulate insecticides and pesticides. In general, in the places that I've visited and worked, insecticides are not the biggest pesticide. That is being used. So pesticides can be broken down into different categories. And I would say that herbicides are a little bit more common in the tea industry, um, but still not that prevalent because tea is by nature a very hardy plant, which is great. It's great to know that we're consuming a plant that doesn't require much in the way of insecticides and herbicides. That's Mm. wonderful. In response to your other question, which was... Well, do do organic teas ultimately have more caffeine not that they would be necessarily more caffeinated but like if you grew a green tea in one field Mm -hmm. with a bunch of pesticides and you grew a green tea in another field completely wild organic like nothing Nothing. there would be more insects and the plants would need to protect themselves more so would they ultimately have more caffeine content right and i don't know if we have the data to back that but we do know that when there are insects present more insects present, so like the leafhopper is one of the biggest insects that consumes tea plants, one of the biggest pests, um, that we do see, 
you know, an increase in certain compounds um, like polyphenols. And we do see an increase as we see like stress, we see an increase in those um, in flavonoids. And then we see a decrease in maybe like amino acids and things like that. So we do see that that there is an impact as soon as there are insects present. And I think that that's a really interesting thing to explore more. Um, but it is also, you know, it, it comes down to so many other things that are going on in the plant as well, like, wow. like we discussed. Interesting thing, piece of data. Our highest caffeinated tea is an <laughs> organic black tea. Wow. And I'm drinking it right now. Okay. <laughs> and, and Do you want to guess which one it is? Is an organic? Uh, okay, wait. It's the highest caffeinated tea, mm-hmm. and it's an organic black mm-hmm. tea. Jasmine Black Pearls. Yes. Because, and I didn't even go for the caffeine. I just went for, what would Nadia ultimately be drinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you're, we're all huge fans of Jasmine Black Pearls in this office, but if there were to be an ambassador. <laughs> now that you guys were talking about, like, organics, so I'm looking at the data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of the top caffeinated teas are organic. We need to find the we're research. Connecting dots. Ladies, we're connecting ladies, dots. Ladies, we have our mission for the afternoon. <laughs> We have stop all work on anything else. And we know that, you know, there are certain occurrences where we're encouraging insects to come and feed on plants. um, For the flavor. For the flavor, like our honey black, Mm -hmm. um, because it does change the leaf composition so much. And so to that point, like a lot of polyphenols and a lot of flavonoids um, do come into play when there are higher insects, insect levels. So that's... There we go. I'm just going to make it easy because yeah. a lot of people... Please do. We're, we're talking about polyphenols and flavonoids. These are the things that people... When you read antioxidants... Oh, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. These are the molecules that we're referring to. Oh, because uh, I hear flavonoid and I think flavor. Mm-hmm. And I hear polyphenol and I hear adaptability. Both polyphenols and flavonoids have antioxidant capacity. So that's when, when people are like, oh, my God, there's so many antioxidants here. Mm-hmm. These are the compounds that we're talking about oh my god okay so just it's wonderful it's just so much i'm thinking of like three other episodes that i want to do based on this episode alone and it's wonderful okay i have one last big question which is caffeine levels in white tea and mate specifically Mm. because i have heard so much conflicting information i've heard that white tea contains no caffeine i've heard that white tea contains the most caffeine. I've heard that mate is more caffeinated than coffee. Like I've I've heard it all when it comes to these two categories. Whereas the other categories, the green, the oolong, the poor, I feel like there's a general kind of consensus across the tea industry, across uh, different countries. Everyone's kind of more or less agreeing with the same thing. But when it comes to white tea and mate, I don't know what to I don't I don't know what to believe anymore. So <laughs> I'm totally with you and understand your frustration because when I first started working in the tea industry, I would read a lot of books and a lot of magazines and it would be like, oh, white tea, low caffeine, Mm -hmm. white tea, low caffeine. And then we started testing all our collection Mm -hmm. because we wanted data. We we want data to be able to back the information that we're putting out there. And as a team of scientists, uh, we (laughs) wanted to make sure that we have the data of our teas. And we started sending the teas for testing specifically for caffeine. And by how Yinsen, white the white, white the most famous white tea on the planet came back as high caffeine. And it's then, but it's can a, this surprise us? Because when we think about it, it's almost entirely buds. Right, that's why it's chosen. 
And as we just discussed, buds often have the highest levels of caffeine. But it's just because you told us this earlier. <laughs> so but now you know? we can't be as surprised as we were. Because now I'm not as surprised. <laughs> I'm not as surprised. I think my thinking years ago was that because Bai Hao Yinzen was just buds and had no leaves, like you'll mm-hmm. see in other white teas that are, you know, the, the bud and the first two leaves, and those two leaves are often green, when those teas would come back with a high caffeine content or high caffeine level, I'd be like, oh, it's not because of the bud, it's because of the two leaves attached. But here... What you're saying, Nadia, is that it was the bud all along. So the bud, and, and this is why I love data. <laughs> we love science. We love science. <laughs> I love it because what you were talking about, Celia, about the leaf and when it's growing, mm-hmm. protecting itself and producing more caffeine. We can see that in the tea mm. because right before this episode, I also wanted to see another type of white tea that is also just the camellia sinensis. And it's buds and leaves. And that one has significantly lower caffeine than the buds only. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. Mate. Okay. So mate. Mate is another one that I get kind of like <laughs> riled up about um, because mate doesn't have high caffeine. Mate doesn't have high. Okay. I think I knew this. Please to elaborate. So mate is very stimulating. And I grew up drinking mate. My mom is from South America. So whenever I had a test or something, I was prone to get nervous. So she would brew me a cup of mate because I wouldn't react to that caffeine. I would just Mm. be alert, but I wouldn't be jittery. Right. And now that I'm older, I can, and that we've tested, we know that mate has low caffeine, but it has other compounds in mate that also boost your focus. Mm -hmm. But is it caffeine? It's a mixture of caffeine and other compounds. And this is exciting because this is still something that we're doing. We as an industry, not us specifically, mm-hmm. are doing still doing tons of research on. Yes. So well, I wish, I hope that research comes out soon because mate is the one type of infusion that makes me just irritable. And I'm not a nice person on mate mm-hmm. at all. And now I'm wondering if it's because I turn into like a hummingbird with like like hyper focus i become Mm. really focused on the details when i drink mate and that makes a lot of sense because i can drink so much caffeine and i don't get jittery and i don't you know caffeine and tea specifically i don't get physically like i don't get shaky or nervous or anything but you give me one cup of mate and clear the room I will flip a table. It is just... I'm the opposite. Okay. Yeah. It goes to the point that you should know yourself. Like, just because the research is out there, the information is out there, know how you react to it personally is so, so, so much more important than what any, not to throw shade on scientists, but what any scientist can say. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. You need to know your body and know what works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can do that by tasting different teas or different foods and that's where where you're like oh you know what at this specific time i want to switch to a low caffeine mm-hmm. whether and there's other people that are like i don't care i can drink high caffeine until bedtime we're all individuals and i love it okay another question is we talk about in our society we talk about caffeine and tea we talk about caffeine and sodas we talk about caffeine and coffee it seems to be that like caffeine is really a beverage centric conversation but there are plenty of foods out there that also have caffeine so can you just give me just a a, 
a little roundabout of like, what does that mean? Because we're always, like you said, people are watching their caffeine intake, but focusing solely on what they're drinking and then eating like an entire chocolate bar, which has like so much caffeine in it. I see it more when people come and say like, oh, I'm going to make a tea for my kid, but I only want caffeine free. Right. Then that same person can give their, their, their kid a can of soda. Right. Of cola. So, mm-hmm. And cola will have way more caffeine. So, like we said, one can of cola has around 45 milligrams of caffeine. Mm-hmm. A cup, uh, a milk bar has around five milligrams of caffeine. But like if you're chocolate, like uh, milk chocolate? Yeah, milk okay. chocolate, sorry. Milk chocolate. And dark chocolate has around 20 mm. milligrams of caffeine. To put that into perspective, so let's talk about our caffeine. So, our caffeine rating, low caffeine, is from 1 to 20 milligrams. So all of these things that I mentioned, uh, like the milk chocolate bar, would be low caffeine. So let's let's equate our low caffeinated tea to a milk chocolate bar. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, A medium caffeine tea Mm -hmm. has between 20 to 39 milligrams of caffeine per cup. That would be equivalent to a dark chocolate bar. Okay. Okay. And high caffeine would be a can of cola. I feel like we should change the graphic on our packaging <laughs> to be like, this tea is a milk chocolate bar, this tea is a dark chocolate bar, and this is just straight up cola. I feel like I would understand that on a daily intake level yeah. much better than I currently do. Thank you, Nadia, for for explaining it to me like I'm five. Because no. I feel like that... Wait, but it's, but but it's really... The visual is yeah. so much clearer in my mind than saying, you know, 20 milligrams, 50 milligrams. I'm not going to remember this halfway through the day. I have a life. I have responsibilities. <laughs> Those are details. But the milk chocolate, dark chocolate soda, I am taking <laughs> that for the next 10 years. That is amazing. Well... Ladies, I cannot thank you enough. I do worry that we haven't simplified anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think I did say that, you know, caffeine is seemingly simple when in fact it's an ever-evolving uh, field of research. Mm-hmm. It will affect everyone independent of each other very, very differently. There are several horticulture factors that come into play. There are certain mm-hmm. steeping factors that come into play. And that literally will make every single cup slightly different from the next and how you react to it slightly different than the last time you had it. I think if we take one thing away from this, it's that we can't make generalizations. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. That, you know, I could spend a week researching caffeine and still not know even the tip of the iceberg. And I think that, you know, we can't make generalizations about tea types, about coffee, about tea, anywhere in there, that everything is so specific and that there are, you know, our bodies are impacted by every little thing around us and plants are impacted by every little thing around them. And the interaction between both is always going to change. And that's why we're so passionate about tea. Yeah, that's why we like the research and the drinking of the tea and the and talking about it. There's just so much. We love it. And the experience. Mm-hmm. Because like you're saying, it can change drastically. So then I love to experience it to be like, okay, what is it that I like? What is it that mm-hmm. works for me? Be curious. Yes. I cannot thank both of you enough because you've not only taught me so much live in this podcast, but also about caffeine when we were researching it. I know you're going to continue to teach me so much more in the future. You're just 
amazing and delightful. And I thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Anytime. And thank you for listening to today's mini episode. If you would like to reach us with comments, questions, or topics for another mini episode, you can do so at steeping.together at davistea.com or through our website, davistea.com. Have a great week. Happy steeping, everyone.